0: to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church located in Chelsea Alabama we value community fellowship and love for people from all walks of life for more information find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook
1: a few of your Bibles today
0: uh, we started a new series last week 1st John uh, it's toward the end of the uh, Bible you have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, Jude and then Revelation John the Gospel, about the middle of the Bible, the New Testament, and then his letters, and then you have a revelation. And all of these are about the same people with the different instances at different times, but they do have common themes. So today we're we'll going to be looking at 1 John 5, uh, 1, 5 through 10. If you don't have your Bibles with you, as always, we have printed in the order of worship for you. Uh, there was a quote uh, last week in the bulletin that I did not get to, that I actually put in the bulletin again. So if you want to look at the beginning of our order of worship for a quote today, uh, I'll open with this. It says, from the letter itself, talking about First John, we can see that the churches that John writes to are in crisis. They are fighting off false teachers who deny central Christian truths and are living in what John calls the last hour. Sound familiar? This is why this book is so uh, relevant to where we are today. There's a lot of what he's talking about there that's going on the same way. This quote reminds us that there's really two messages about John, two things that he's really out for. Uh, First of all, we (laughs) need to remember that there there are people out there during John's time and during our time They're saying wrong things about Jesus or have misconceptions about Jesus. The second thing is, and so he's trying to correct those. The second thing is, it's a reminder to cling to things that are true. Things that we verify to be true, John says, because he lived there with Jesus. Because he's saying this, truth is not true. I mean, truth is not good because it's true in, in itself. Truth always leads you somewhere in the same way that error does. If we are really going to live a life that we want of joy and peace and love according to God's design, according to our, our, our creator, the one who made us, if we're really going to thrive in front of the God that wants the good and beautiful things for us, we must cling to truth. It doesn't happen. There's no shortcuts around truth to get to the life that you want. So let's read our passage today as John starts this idea and continues through uh, his letter. It says this today. That's funny, I told everybody to turn to that. I don't even have it open. All right. After the awkward pause. <laughs> so here's what he says in this passage. He says, this is the message that we have heard from him. He's talking about the disciples. And we proclaim to you that God is might. And in him is no darkness at all. Verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus the Son cleanses us from all sin. Now if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. and this should be familiar y'all if we confess our sins he is faithfully just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness this is one of the confessions that we use after the assurance of pardon look at verse 10. if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar and his word is not in us this is the word of the lord thanks be to god father uh as the light illuminate our hearts and our mind today open our eyes in jesus name amen so last week I attended, uh, some of you guys may know, some of you may not, I attended a church planters retreat uh, with some other leaders that are basically doing the same thing that I'm doing here, uh, at other church plants throughout uh, our denomination. Uh, and uh, they kind of put me in place, uh, charge of finding a place. So uh, there's this honey lodge that I'm familiar with out in um, Selma. It's in the middle of nowhere. 30, it's it's 3,000 acres. In middle of nowhere, south of Salem, it's not even post to 7, south of Salem, no internet, barely any cell phone service. After arriving and seeing how remote this place was, these guys walked around and we encountered, uh, we may or may not have encountered a gator when we first got there, a snapping turtle, I-, I killed a copperhead that was coming up on them right in front of the things, and after that these guys realized they were not Kansas anymore. Uh, And I think I gave them culture shock. So being the instigator I am, I could not refrain from doing what I did next. So one night I took them out by the lake and we were walking on the bank and we had a light and uh, we were making sure we didn't walk on any snakes or anything like that. And at some point I asked them, I said, you want to see something cool? And they kind of looked at me like, maybe. (laughs) So anyway, I took the light and I shined it across the lake all these red eyes out there on the lake. And you would, most people know what that means. That means what? Gators. Gators. And so, more than we thought, more than I thought actually. I, like, <laughs> I didn't want to let them know that. See, I know But we would have never known that, right? Uh, how many there were or, or, or that they're all out there without a light. Um, light's amazing. We take it for granted nowadays, obviously. But here's the thing. Light exposes things. Uh, It truly shows things for what they are. It reveals things sometimes that we never would have known existed unless we shine the light in the darkness. Jesus came and revealed and said, I am the light. Today's passage is going to talk to us what that means, not just in a general way, Because John's already talked about the general way light and darkness in his gospel now we're gonna really get nuts and bolts what does that mean in your life if you really live a life where Jesus is the light and you develop a relationship with God the Father who is light so we're gonna look at three points today we're gonna talk about the message uh, that John's talking about here we're gonna talk about really the test like what's the test of walking in the light what does that look like and then we're gonna talk about the idea of the confession that follows so let's look at our Roman number number 1 and look at verse 5. He says, this is the message that we've heard from him proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. As we said last week, John spent a lot of time with Jesus. What is his, and So for someone that spent a lot of time with Jesus, what was his main message? What does John keep coming back to? Why does he keep coming up with the idea of light and darkness? Why does he keep riffing on that? Because there's something about it that when John walked away from his time of Jesus on the earth that made an impact on him, that made that kept bringing him back to this idea of God being light. If you've noticed so far, he's talking about over and over in his writing that, uh, the idea of light and love and life. And they're all representations of different nuances of who Jesus is and as he represented God the Father. And now he's saying, which would mean... But darkness would represent hatred and death and lies and all of those things. Those are all things that are a result of not believing in God. We're about to see what that means. Look at, look at Roman 2. Let's look at the test. He says this. Verse 6. Look, you, there are things you may say, but let me tell you how it is. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. He's talking about both God and, and ourselves. And the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. Now, if you get to know my wife at all, you know she loves to walk. Um, and, um, well, she likes to run, but I think the older she likes to walk a little better now, so uh, kind of like we all slow down, right? Uh, but she, uh, one of the favorite things to do is not just walk by herself, but have different ladies join her on the walk. Um, and so in that, you're th- you know, at, at, at some point I'm thinking, why wow, walk? Why not just set the driveway? You know, that's what I do. <laughs> But what I realized, it's not just about the physical exercise, but it's this idea of joining each other on kind of like this physical journey, along with the conversations that they have. That's more of a spiritual journey. It's a, it's a way of sharing life in a way that you can't do in another way. See, when the Bible talks about this, the Bible talks about the idea of walking with God and fellowship with God and friendship with God, these are pretty similar things. And we all know there's a difference between a relationship with someone and a deep friendship where you share life with someone. The Bible describes some of God's deepest friends, some of his closest friends as in the Bible, as people that He would they would say, and he walked. With God if you if you've ever seen that this is what he's talking about here see when we walk with God John says we're walking in the light meaning number one he exposes things the good the bad and the ugly in our lives and as an overflow we want others to join into that walk we learn things about God that we want to share to others we learn things about ourselves Basically, the idea is, as God is in a relationship with us and his light, his relationship is, is like burns into us, we're, we, we see things and it's bright, and we notice things that we wouldn't have never noticed if we weren't praying and reading God's word and walking with him in that way. This is what he's talking about here. So what's the true test of whether or not we have fellowship with God? What is John saying here? Well, it's not a metaphor you got to take it to a different level. If everything I just said was true about what God does in our lives is He is the light and He exposes the darkness. What's the truth test of fellowship? It's not what the church really thinks. It's not doing all the right things. It's not going to Bible study. It's not praying. It's not any of that. The true test of fellowship is honesty with God as He reveals these things that I'm talking about. Authenticity versus lying about them or being fake. Think about this. Remember what what happened to Adam and Eve? The people, they were walking with God. In the cool of the evening, they're they're just always fellowshipping God in a way that that nobody has since. And then that trust is broken as they sin. There's two things they do immediately with that. First of all, they basically uh, try to cover it up by by the fig leaves, right? Their shame. They try to cover their shame uh, in that. And the second thing They're just blame shifting and not owning up to what has been exposed to them as God approached them and said, what have y'all done? And we've always been the same since then. See, God is not fake. There's no darkness in Him. And He doesn't want us to be fake with Him. Matter of fact, that's one of the biggest things that bothers God more than anything else. Not some egregious sin that that you commit, but what you do after you commit that sin. What he wants is you to just be authentic. It's like out of everybody in the world, you can be authentic with me because I already know it in the first place. He's just asking for honesty there. Listen, this idea of being real with John immediately raises a problem for us. I mean, uh, real with God immediately raises a problem for us. Is John saying that unless we are sinless and perfect and always doing the right thing in, in the life, that we truly don't belong with Christ? Is he saying, if we keep sinning and sinning and sinning, is he saying we don't have fellowship with God? Or is the question, how righteous do we have to be before we know that we're truly in the light, as if there's a way to work up with that? Those are two lies that Christianity tells us all the time, that we we can be sinless in some ways, and we can work up to the relationship that we need to be in the light, walk in the light on a super spiritual plane. It does not exist. What does exist is this do you know let me give you an example. do you know anything about christianity at all you're going to know over time that christians still struggle with sin um they're going to continue everybody's going to continue to struggle with sin all their lives when you get to the point where you're not struggling with sin you're very naive you're not confronting your own sin or you're just lying about it you heard the name billy graham before right one of the greatest preachers of the 20th century somebody asked me one day like uh, mr graham he spent all this time preaching in God's word, praying, following God, walking with God. Do you still struggle with sin after all these years? And he said, "Of course I do. Definitely I do." He said, "But now the sins I deal with are far more subtle. Now I'm dealing with pride. Now I'm doing It's kind of like uh, it, it, you know, it's kind of like when you, uh, you you till a garden and you rake it, and everything looks. I mean, you till a garden, and you get the rocks out." And then you're breaking again. Our rocks pop back up. That's the process of our life. Like this. There's smaller rocks now, maybe. Maybe there's bigger ones. But the rocks never go away in our lives. Look at the last line. He says this in that uh, that we just looked at in verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with him. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. We don't have to be perfect. We can acknowledge that we are messed up in our wrongdoings, knowing that Jesus has forgiven us and will continue keep forgiving us. That's our hope. So, how do we put this all together here at the end? Like, what what, what does this boil down to? What does that look like in our life if we're really walking with God? Let's look at uh, verse. I mean, uh, Romans 3, the confession. John says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we will make him a liar and his word is not in us. So here at the end of this section here, John is defining what a walk with God, what a relationship with God looks like. Some pastors and some churches, and I would say false teachers, try to define walking in the light and walking with God as if you're cleaning up and ascending this ladder of being better every day of doing all the right things to find more and more favor with God John does not like that kind of thinking nor do we as in people think we're going to do all the right things and then we're qualified with God and then qualified of course to tell others right and wrong see that's false teaching that's false according to what John has said who spent time with Jesus think about this this is where we get it backwards. People think that here's God, and I've got to clean up my act, then I enter into a relationship with God. And God's saying, hey, "You got it backwards. You will never get your act together without a relationship with Me. I'm the one that's going to transform you. In that, you see, you see the reverse of that. See, walking in the light, entering a relationship, begins with acknowledging how messed up you are, not how good you are. Confessing our sins, bring them to the light. And coming to God as a sinner, in a, in a humble way, as a broken human being, and at this point, God is saying, listen, okay, now, if you're willing to admit that, how messed up you are, how dark your heart is, how broken you are, now, now we can talk about the deep things in life, and now we can have a genuine relationship. We talk about the word confession all the time, and it's in our liturgy every week, but John's clarifying it here. The word for to confess literally means to say the same thing. Which, meaning, if we are in agreement with one another about something, that's a form of confession. So we're basically saying this, to admit or agree means whether we agree with Jesus' words or agree with how messed up we were, are, and all these things. John's saying all these things, all these things are just coming to God and saying, God, I, I, I admit and I acknowledge and I agree. That you're diagnosed to me and my diagnosis myself are the same thing that's what confession is so sometimes it's saying God when you shine your light on me when I see who you are compared to who I am this is what I see and God's like, I see that too but also God when I see the favor that you have on me and I see who I am in your eyes as a son or daughter covering the blood of Jesus Christ and what he is he's like I agree with that too confession works both ways And to agree, we don't have to earn God's love and His favor. One more thing about confession is it's not a one-time thing. We have this idea in Christianity that that walking in the light is about a decision that you made a long time ago to confess or believe in God, confess that you're a sinner, and then you live the rest of your life and you're okay after that. That's not what we see in the Bible. I'm not saying you ever lose that favor with God if it's really based on what you believe in Jesus Christ. But I'm saying everybody that I know that really walks with God is confessing, not just every morning, not every night, not here at the table uh, once a week. They're doing almost moment to moment in that. I know I am. And I'm so scared to admit my faults in front of other people and, and tell them how messed up I am. Even God at that time, whether it be God or people in this room, this passage is the cure for what I'm saying. Walking the light, admitting your sins is the first step. It's not a magic formula you don't confess your sins and you walk through the doorway of being super christian it's a process and a journey and what does that look like it looks like a relationship how do you cultivate a relationship over time be honest and admitting these things whether it's with my wife or with my friends or with your friends and family it's a process see we pursue one another in this and the deeper the relationship, the more experience we have, the better the friendship is. The best friends I have are people that I've experienced life with, that I've shared life with. Not only that, but the people that love me enough to tell me the truth about myself. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly. So first reminder who said as many a false and weak system is not just the point, though. That's the first step. The point is not to feel guilty and shame every time you come to God. Like, God should say, I don't want you to stay there. Like, I want you to just agree with me and admit that you've done this wrong. And at this point, I'm about cultivating a friendship with you, a relationship with you, not sitting up there like, I told you so, you did it wrong, don't do it again. It's more like, I'm so glad that you see that because I want better for you. I don't want you to keep coming back to that. But guess what? If you do, I'm going to forgive you again. See, true Christians will walk in the light of God's will and get better and better at avoiding sin. And here's the reason why. It's not because we get better, but more and more we trust God, less and less we trust ourselves. So let me just say this in conclusion. A real believer in God and Jesus will constantly rest in the fact that what Jesus did on his life and his death is the only work that's the basis of how God's going to receive us and enter into a relationship with that. And we have to be constantly reminded that we do a lot of things wrong. And then we confess those things to God. But above all, the point is not the confession. The point is rejoicing over the fact that we're forgiven. That God loves us like a father would. And like my daughter would come to me like, Dad, I blew it again. I'm like, I still love you. Dad, I blew it, I blew it again. I don't even want to talk about this stuff. Dad, it's going to be the same thing. over him. I don't care. I love you. I'm going to do it again. But the father's the same way. If you repent and confess your sins, that's when you know you're a true believer. It's not, it's not sinners who confess sin. It's believers. That's how you know. If you're, if you're having to confess all the time, unbelievers don't confess all the time. Believers do. Because, and it's not just because they feel guilty or are made to feel guilty by other people. Because they love God enough to admit that authentically, take an honest look, and receive the forgiveness and the love of God and go a little deeper in that friendship of his, uh, what he wants for us. He forgives us. He's a God that holds us accountable. He's a God that wants a relationship with us. He's a God that pursues us. He's a God that forgives us when we confess. But most of all, a God that cherishes a friendship with us based on what His Son did to make it possible. And that's what we're reminded of each week at the table Let's pray. God, help us all be um, honest about who we are. But not to wallow in guilt and shame. In the same way that you would tell us, do not avoid talking about how broken you are, or you know, uh, per- pretending like you don't do it, or or covering it up, or lying about it. In the same way, we can confess that, or help us to confess that we are more loved than we imagine, even our deepest, darkest brokenness, because of what you did. Through your son on the cross, you're a good father. You're you're there with open arms. You're not. Uh, Someone up? You're not a principal. That's just up there waiting for us to do something wrong, Adams. But you just want to guide us into a rich, deep, flourishing life. Uh, and Lord, help us to learn to accept that love, and build our identity there. Not try to build our identity on our own. Not to build our identity on the shame and guilt that we feel around sin. And what to build our identity around being sons and daughters of who you are. It's in Jesus' name, Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.